Christian Church. Happy Sunday. Let's, uh, let's pray, and then we'll dive into the message. So, Heavenly Father, we bless you. We love you, Jesus. We glorify you this morning. We lift you up on high. We lift your name above every other name. We lift your name above every circumstance. We lift your name above every trial, over every tribulation. We lift your name, Lord God. And we bless you this morning. And we pray today, Lord, we pray for our building project going on. We pray, Lord God, that you will move. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you will smooth out those high places and bring them low. And you will raise those low places up. That you'll make a straight path, Lord God, for that building project to move forward in your time. That in the fullness of time, we could have that church building ready to go. We pray today, Lord, for Pastor Mike as he's down in Long, or not Long Island, he's down in uh, New York City. And we just pray that you bless him in Brooklyn. Bless the church. Bless the church in Staten Island. Bless Pastor Mike. Let your spirit move there today as well. And so we thank you, and we love you. And in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so just as a side note, my main office for my company where I work, their offices are in Long Island. So oftentimes when I'm talking about anyone near the city, I'm talking about people in Long Island. It just kind of just kind of flows out, okay? So that's where that came from. Anyway, as Pastor Mike said on... Um, the opening message. We're going to continue in the book of 2 Corinthians, and we're in chapter 12 today. And I think if I, if I had to try to sum up chapter 12, and really this, this kind of this section of scriptures where the Apostle Paul's been talking, sent, you know, chapter 11, chapter 12, he's really focusing us or, or trying to get us to focus on this, this concept of a balanced gospel or this full gospel, that we shouldn't get too caught up in one element. So if you just want one thing to take away from today, it's that the Apostle Paul is encouraging us to have a, a full, a complete understanding of the Scriptures, a full, a complete, a balanced approach to our relationship with God. And so here in chapter 12, it's really there are three sections. There's a section where he starts out talking about boasting in the physical and boasting in the spirit. There's a section where he's going to talk about a thorn in his flesh, and that's what Pastor Mike was referencing in his video message. And then there's a third section where he's really dealing with some family business with the church at Corinth. And he's really talking about his love as an apostle, almost more like a parent for this church. And that last section, especially for those of us who are parents in the room, we kind of, you'll read that section on your own later, and you're going to be like, yeah, I get that. That's a dad talking there to his kids. I totally understand what's going on there. So we're not going to focus as much on that part. We're really going to camp out today at the beginning of the, the chapter on the section where Paul's boasting, um, where he's talking about boasting, and where he's talking about a vision that he had in the Lord, and he talks then about the thorn that he experiences. And so the thing to keep in mind is that this is, this is a continuation. This is an ongoing message. This is a letter that he wrote to the Corinthian church. And so as so often happens when we first start out in this passage, it's important for us to look back a little bit and see what was going on prior to get a context of what's going on here. And so you may remember if you were here last week, Pastor Mike was talking about chapter 11. He was, he was speaking on that, and he was telling us that there were these false apostles or these, these super apostles who had come into the church at Corinth, and they were, they were drawing people away from that balanced message that the Apostle Paul had laid down, and he was drawing them into this, this hyper-specific or this hyper-focused approach to the ministry. 
And so on the one hand, it's not necessarily that these people were wicked or evil, that they were looking to cause division. That could be the case. We don't know because the scripture isn't totally clear. It could be that they were there to simply try to take advantage of the Corinthian church. But it's also entirely possible that these were people who just had an element of God in their hearts and minds, and they were solely focused on that piece of God to the exclusion of all the rest. And so some examples, you know, that even the pastor Mike brought up last week that we, we see even today, you know, we have healing ministries, and we have prophetic ministries, and we have uh, ministries which, are, which preach um, prosperity gospel, right? Name it, claim it. We have all these different concepts that are there, and, and these ministries focus on this one element of it, and they, they get out of balance. And in some ways, the body of Christ owes a debt of gratitude to those ministries, because an individual who is going through a circumstance and takes the time, actually, I left my Bible back there, I don't need it, but who, who takes the time to, to search through the scriptures for that, maybe, thank you, Andrea, Maybe, maybe they're looking for physical healing in their life. And so they search through the scriptures for instances where God healed. To be able to claim that healing for them, for now, for today. And they do the work to, to dig into the scriptures, to, to reach into those, those mysterious, those dark places and draw out a treasure. And they find a healing in that. Those ministries that come about from that, from that effort, from that research, are providing for the body of Christ a piece or a, or a part of a knowledge of who God is that we might otherwise never have taken the time ourselves to dig in and find. Because if I don't need a physical healing myself, I'm not going to search the scriptures necessarily for scriptures about a physical healing. If I don't need a, a financial miracle, I'm not going to search the scriptures about prosperity. If I don't need a, 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 to have a prophetic word in my life to try to understand how I should move forward in my faith, then I'm not going to search those things out. But someone did, and they brought them forth. And so on the one hand, we owe a debt of gratitude to those ministries that exist that are out there. On the other hand... And this is where the Apostle Paul is coming from in this section of Scripture. Is that there should be a balance. There should be more to our relationship with God than just healing. Than just provision. Than just a prophetic word. Than just worship. Than ju right? There should be more to our relationship with God than simply this one element. In Revelations chapter 4, the Apostle John writes, The four living creatures each having six wings were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, then the 24 elders fall down before him. And they say, I'm sorry, they fall down before him, and they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. In your, in your mind's eye, close your eyes for a moment and imagine this throne room 
where God the Father is sitting on his throne and, and he's, like, he's like a sparkly. You ladies who have an engagement ring, you've got your sparkly on your finger. And when you turn it in the light, it creates these different, it catches the light different ways, right? There's this little sparkly thing that's there. And God is like this giant sparkly sitting on his throne. And the four creatures are up above chanting, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And these 24 elders are around him. And all day long this is happening. And all day, all night long this is happening. And those elders represent the passage of time going by them, one for each hour of the day. And, and God turns on his throne and they catch this, this new facet of who God is. And they fall to their knees and they worship and they cast their crowns before him. And God, the, the Spirit of the Lord just moves a little bit more. Another fraction of an inch. Another, another second passes by. And the, the elders, they catch this new glimpse of God, this new facet they didn't see before. And they fall on their knees again and cast their crowns before him again, saying, you are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. And then God moves just a little bit again, and they see another facet and another facet and another facet and another facet. Imagine that diamond on your hand with millions upon millions upon millions of facets. That's the Heavenly Father sitting on His throne. And those elders catch another glimpse of Him. And they fall before Him and they worship Him. And they cast their crowns before Him. You see, those, those ministries catch one facet of who God is and it becomes everything to them. All of God becomes caught up in that one little facet. But the Apostle Paul's calling us to be more like those elders up in heaven who see a facet of God and worship Him and see another facet of God and worship Him and see another facet of God and worship Him and see another facet of God and worship Him and see another facet of God and worship Him. That's what he's saying. He's concerned about the church because he doesn't want them going chasing off after just this one part of God. He wants them to have that full and complete picture. It's like the Christian who chases off after the latest, greatest experience. Hey, I love going to conferences. I think they're wonderful. I love going and getting a prophetic word from like when a, 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 a Jim Jorgensen, a prophet Jim Jorgensen comes in. I love that stuff. But you know what? You can't just constantly be chasing off after the next speaker, after the next revelation, after the next worship song. after the right. You can't just go and chase and live your life that way. And that's what the Apostle Paul's worried about here. He's saying, hey, these people have come into your church, and you guys are forgetting the fullness of God, and you're getting caught up in this one thing, and I'm really concerned about you. You know, as parents, we want all the good things for our kids. Everything. You want everything for them. You want them to excel in school. You want them to learn a good work habit. You want them to get a good job. You want them to have a good spouse. You want them to have great kids. You want them to be a friend and to have good friends. You want everything for them. That's the Apostle Paul's concern. Y'all are getting so caught up in this one thing. I'm worried about you. Remember way back in chapter 1, he said, All the promises of God in him are yes, and in him they are amen. All the promises of God. Right? The Apostle Paul wants Everything for that church. And so finally, now we can get to verse 1 of chapter 12, where the Apostle Paul says, in the first half of the first verse of chapter 12, he says, it is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. And me as a parent, I hear a little bit of sarcasm here in the Apostle Paul. 
And he's referring back to 2 Corinthians in chapter 11 that Pastor Mike shared on last week. And we'll kind of breeze through that. But he said, he was saying this, he was comparing himself to the, the super apostles. And he says, are they Hebrews? Well, so am I. Are they Israelites? Yeah, so am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? Yeah, so am I. Are they ministers of Christ? And he says, and I speak as a fool here. I am more so. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. Now, hang on a second. If you've got someone who's giving their credentials as a minister of the gospel, and one of their credentials is in deaths often, I think perhaps, at least me, I'm going to stop and listen up. That person maybe has something to say. He says, from the Jews I received 40 stripes minus one. Five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day and the night I spent in the deep. It says, in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness. He's saying, listen, I have experienced it all for the sake of preaching this gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not doing this for my own aggrandizement. I'm not doing this to get rich. I'm not doing this to have a comfy, comfy life. You know, I was thinking about it earlier, how amazing it is that I've got a Bible here. I brought this Bible today because I accidentally left my other one at my office. But amazing that I live in a day and an age where I can have multiple Bibles. I mean, before Gutenberg, people didn't have a Bible at all, right? And they used to have a, maybe a family Bible if they were wealthy, one for the whole family. And there I'm like, wow, gosh. What a rich American I am. I've got multiple Bibles. I forgot one, and I can bring another one. And then I can look them all up on my phone and have thousands of translations anyway. I mean, what an amazing day. There's all these distractions that pull us away from God. But you know what? We have at our fingertips more opportunities to get into a time with God than ever before as well. And that's amazing. So anyway, the Apostle Paul saying, listen, I have all of these experiences, all of these things that I can count to my credit, but... But you know what? None of that really matters. I'm, I'm being a fool here bringing them up. And he says this in, in verse 28 of chapter 11. He says, Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Because there's really the heart of Paul. That really what marks him as an apostle is that deep concern that he has every day for the churches. Every day. He's deeply concerned about what's happening in their lives that they are moving from a place that's far from Jesus into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so he says, you know, doubtless, it's doubtless not profitable for me to boast. And like I said, I kind of hear a sarcasm there. I kind of hear being like, you know, I have all these qualifications, but, you know, who am I? It's like when I talk to my kids. You know, I've only known you my whole life. <laughs> you don't need to listen to me. What do I know about you? I've only been there since you were born, right? It's like when Michelle could say, listen, I've only known you since you were in my womb, that's all. I don't know anything. I don't know anything about your life. I don't know anything about who you are. I've only known you that long, right? What do I know? Right? Sure. Go listen to that guy. He knows you so much better than me. Listen, I'm the one who got up and fed you at two o'clock in the morning so your mother could sleep. I was there when you fell off your bike. I was there when you wrecked your car. I was there. But of course, you know, your friends know better than me. Idiot one and moron number two. Go listen to them. Go listen to them. That's who you should be listening to. Don't listen to me. This is what the Apostle Paul's doing to the church of Corinth. He's like, listen, don't listen to me. What do I know? Go listen to idiot one and moron two. Doubtless they know better than me. It doesn't do me any good to boast. You're not going to listen to me anyway. 
And he says, you know, but I will. I will boast in this, right? He says, it's doubtless not profitable for me to boast. So you know what? I'll come to visions, starting up in uh, chapter, chapter 12, verse 2. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I don't know, or whether out of the body I don't know, God knows, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, God knows, how he was caught up into paradise. And he heard inexpressible words which it's not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one I will boast. So listen, I'm not going to boast about all the things I accomplished. It doesn't do any good anyway. You guys aren't going to listen to me anyway. And I know these hotshot preachers who have come into your church, they're telling you all about these experiences they've had in God. Let me just tell you, I had an, I had an encounter with God too. I might not talk about it very often. It was 14 years ago he hadn't been talking about it, right? But it deeply and profoundly affected the Paul's life. It deeply and profoundly affected him that he had such an experience with God. He's like, listen, my, my earthly accomplishments, those are like filthy rags. I don't care about those. But you know what I'll boast about? I'll boast about having an encounter with the living God. That I'll boast about. He'll boast about when God moves. Remember back a few chapters ago, he was boasting about how God moved in the, the churches through Macedonia, that they were able to give beyond their ability to give. They were in deep poverty, yet they were able to give beyond their ability to give somehow in God. Why? Because when Paul's going to boast, he's going to boast about Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's going to boast about what God is doing in you and how he's changing your life for your family for the next generation. That's what he's going to boast about. He's going to boast about an experience, an encounter with God that has nothing to do with his own abilities, his own powers, his own knowledge, his own whatever. He's going to boast about Jesus. And so most likely he's referring to himself here, where he's like, I knew a man, right? Most likely he's referring to himself. It's, it becomes fairly clear from the scripture, but not 100% clear. There is a possibility he really was talking about someone else. But it's fairly clear he was talking about himself. And, but he does that for a reason. He keeps it vague. And he talks about himself in the third person for a reason. Because remember, he's contrasting himself with those super apostles that he was talking about before. And by talking about it in a vague way, he, he allows this. Because me... I'm one of those obnoxious, critical-thinking people. So, man, you were caught up into heaven. That's awesome. How'd you get there? And he's like, yeah, I don't know. Well, what, what'd you wear? Yeah, I don't know. It was in the body. I don't know. Well, well, how long did it take you to get there? Yeah, I don't know. It was in the body. It was out of the body. I don't know. Well, well did you eat while you were there? Yeah. You know what? Again, I, it was in the body or out of the body. I, I don't know. Well, wait a minute. I mean, what, what, could you breathe the air? I mean, what was it like? I mean, yeah, in the body, out of the body, I don't know. I heard some things, but, you know, it's not lawful for me to share those. So, yep. And I love that. I love that because clearly the Apostle Paul was not trying to say, listen, I had this amazing mountaintop experience with God. Let me now share with you the amazing things that I saw in the heaven of heavens. For the next 16 hours, I'm going to pontificate about what it's like. No, he was just like, I had an experience with God. You don't understand. I had an experience. I had one. I had that. I'm not going to go into all these things. I'm not going to make myself look all great and make up a bunch of stuff or, or whatever. I'm just going to let you know I had an encounter with the living God. And by making it a, a third person, what he does is he leaves the door open that if it, God did it for some guy, he could do it for me. 
You know, if it was the Apostle Paul, maybe I'd be like, listen, of course God brought the Apostle Paul up into the third heavens. The guy wrote two-thirds of the, test, the New Testament. I mean, he was shipwrecked off and all that stuff he just said. Of course he did it for him. But he made it a third person. He's like, I know this guy. This guy that was caught up into the third heaven. This guy that was caught up into paradise. And as soon as he leaves it at that, it says, wait a minute. If God did it for just some guy, he could do it for me. Because God's no respecter of persons. And so if some guy can have this relationship, some guy can have this encounter with God, then I can start to have this holy jealousy, this holy desire to have what he has and to have such an encounter with God that's so real that I don't know whether I left my body behind or not. Like, that's a pretty amazing experience with God. And so it's, listen, some guy, because he wants to leave the door open, that just maybe you can have that experience. Just maybe I can have that experience. And it makes me think of Enoch, who in the book of Genesis, there was this guy Enoch, and it says that he, he walked with God, and then he was no more. And it's the coolest thing, because the concept is simply this, that every day he got together with God, and they had a conversation, they spent time together, they went for a walk, blah, 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 and like one day God says to him, hey Enoch, you know what? We're closer to my house than your house. Why don't you just come home with me? You don't have to die. You don't have to go through all that experience. Just come home with me. And Enoch's like, yeah, okay, that sounds cool. I'll go home with you. He walked with God, and then he was no more. Didn't experience death. What a cool thing. That's what this reminds me of when I see that, Paul. When they're in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows, but I don't know. But I had such an amazing encounter with the living God. And he says, of that person, that's somebody I'll boast about. And so picking up at verse 5, of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I'll not boast except for my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool. For I will speak the truth, but I refrain lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. And here's that thorn in the flesh that Pastor Mike was talking about. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in my flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I be exalted above measure. And concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And therefore, most gladly, I'll rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And therefore, I'll take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then he is strong. That thorn, it could have been a physical ailment that the Apostle Paul had. It could have been some sort of temptation or some sort of thought, uh, uh, an identity crisis situation. Remember back in 2 Corinthians 10, he says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for casting down arguments, tearing down strongholds, and every high and lofty thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Jesus. And so he could have had some sort of physical ailment. He could have had some sort of temptation or identity crisis. He could have had, he could have just been talking about the persecution. But he prays to God three times that God would remove it. And that three is significant. You know, Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane three times. When, uh, when people died in ancient Israel... They believed that the first day you were dead, 
the second day, you know, yeah, he's, he's really dead. But the third day, if you didn't get up after the third day, then yeah, you were dead, dead. You were like dead, 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 right? You were really, really dead. That's why it was significant that Jesus rose on the third day. Those, those creatures we talked about before from Revelations chapter 4 were calling out that God was holy, holy, holy. He wasn't just holy. He wasn't just holy, holy. No, no, God the Father is holy, holy, holy. He's like way holy, way, way holy. See, three represents harmony and new life and completeness. And so the Apostle Paul prayed three times. He entered into prayer three times that God would remove whatever this thorn was from him. And it's significant that this follows that description of that vision that the super apostles also all had. Because one of the things that we find when there's a ministry that, that hyper-focuses on one element of God, it usually devolves into a kind of works righteousness. You get this, this kind of formula. God is blank, and you've not experienced blank. Therefore, you must blank to get more of God, to have that experience. So like God's a healing God and you've not experienced your healing. Therefore, you must do something. Pray more, read your Bible more, give more money, right? Go to more healing evangelists. You must do something to get your healing because God's a healer, and you haven't gotten your healing yet, so the problem must be on you. You must be the problem that you haven't gotten your healing. And you could fill that in for any of those ministries that go hyper-focused on one aspect of God. It devolves into this works righteousness mentality. And the Apostle Paul is trying to shut that down, to protect the church at Corinth, to give them that balanced approach, that balanced vision of who God is. And so he talks about this vision in the third person that we could aspire to such an experience. And then right after that, he says, yeah, but listen, you might not have that experience. You might have a thorn, like I have a thorn. And I prayed three times to get rid of this thorn, and it didn't happen, right? Romans chapter 8, verse 18, says this. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. The sufferings of this present time aren't worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed inside of us. They're not worthy to be in the same breath. They're not wor worthy to be in the same sentence. They're not worthy to be in the same thought. That thorn that you have, that thorn that I have, that thorn that the Apostle Paul has, that suffering, whatever it is, it's not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. In 19, it says, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. You see, the world, this world we live in, because of sin in the Garden of Eden, this world was cursed, and it's a futile world that we live in. There will always be some element of futility in everything about life. Why? In hope that we'll turn to God. In hope that that futility that we have in that area of our life will cause us to not look at that, but turn instead to Him and worship Him and look to Him. That futility drives us to Him. 
That thorn, Paul's thorn, my thorn, subjected to futility. We're wrapping up. But I want to read to you a poem. Michelle and I were talking about the, the message, and she, she reminded me of this poem. A great poem by George Herbert. It's called The Pulley. When God at first made man, having a glass of blessings standing by, let us, said he, pour on him all we can. Let the world's riches, which dispersed lie, contract into a span. So strength first made a way, then beauty flowed, then wisdom, honor, pleasure. When almost all was out, God made a stay, perceiving that alone of all his treasure, rest in the bottom lay. For if I should, said he, bestow this jewel upon my creature, he would adore my gifts instead of me, and rest in nature, not the God of nature, and so both would losers be. Yet let him keep all the rest, but keeping them with repining restlessness, let him be rich and weary, that at least, if goodness lead him not, yet weariness may toss him to my breast. That world subjected to futility in hope, in hope that we'll reach out to God, in hope that we'll look to span that space, that we'll call upon Jesus to get us across that gap, that futility, that thorn which keeps us from our rest, it may never be removed. It may always torment us in this life. But remember, it also just may be removed. So pray. Speak to that mountain, be removed, and be cast into the sea. Don't doubt in your heart, but believe the words of God will do whatever it is that you say. Believe. Because all the promises in Him are yes, and all the promises in Him are amen. So it may be that that thorn is not removed. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't care. And it doesn't mean that He's not listening. And it doesn't mean that you need to do X, Y, or Z because you're not doing enough. It doesn't mean that God's not answering. It could just simply be that His answer is, my grace is sufficient for you. And in that grace, we can find His peace. And in that futility of that thorn, we can find our way to the Father. And so the Apostle Paul has been talking to the church in Corinth because he's worried that they're hyper-focusing on some element of who God is and forgetting the rest. They're getting caught up with these super apostles and they're forgetting that the Apostle Paul, like a father, like a parent, has their best interests completely at heart. And so let's pray. Let's stand up. We're going to enter back into worship. But let's stand up. Let's pray. Let's believe God. Because his scripture is clear that there's a balance here. There are some thorns that will be removed. There are some things that he will do. Some promises he will fulfill here in this life. And there are some promises of God that won't be fulfilled till later. But as long as we're here on this side, let's believe that God will move. Like when King David was praying for the baby. And he prayed and prayed and prayed. Until the people came to him and said, there's no need for you to pray anymore babies die. Let's have that kind of faith that we'll keep praying and we'll keep believing. And even if the answer is no, we'll love God, we'll 
worship God and we'll praise God on the other side anyway. So Heavenly Father, we bless you and we thank you and we exalt you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that in you all the promises are yes and that in you all the promises are amen. And we pray, Lord, that you would move today. We pray, Lord God, you would move the mountains in our lives out of the way. We pray, Lord God, that you would turn the hearts of kings in our lives like a river wherever you would desire, Lord, and you would turn them towards us. We pray for your favor. We pray for your grace. We pray for your strength. We pray, Lord God, that you would move and you would have your way here at City Church. And Lord God, that we would see a great revival in this region because, Lord God, you're moving not because of anything we did, not because of any knowledge we have, not because of any power or strength we possess, not because we're anything great, Lord, but because you are. Because you are. We bless you, Jesus. Lord God, I pray for those whose hope is deferred. For the word says that when hope is deferred, the heart grows sick, the heart grows weary. I pray for those today who are feeling a little bit like their hope has been deferred. I pray that you would comfort. I pray that you would strengthen. I pray that you would hold them close to you. I pray they'd find rest in you today. And so we bless you, Jesus. We thank you for the thorns in our lives, Lord God. The thorns that drive us back to you. The thorns that keep us from resting. The thorns that remind us that you are above all. We bless you and thank you, Jesus. Amen.